0: You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers, and willing to accept what I find. What's Spooky With You? The Hat Man in the Field This was about 10 to 15 years ago. I was about 14 years old. I was sober and had never heard of shadow people before. At the top of my street are dense woods and a single path to an open field where we would ride dirt bikes. I'm on a dirt bike, and my older brother and his friend are walking my dog. They decide to go home, but I wanted to do another lap around the field. By the time I finish my first lap, they are out of sight. So I go to do another lap, and as I come to the far side across from the path out, I notice this dark silhouette at the tree line and instantly get chills, and the hairs are standing on edge. It felt like minutes, but I probably only sat there staring for a few seconds. This thing is blacker than black, like black. The shadows cast by trees and bushes were not even close to this. I'm scared shitless because I know I am looking at something paranormal. I thought about ditching the bike and booking it through the woods home because it was literally standing at the edge of the path leading out. I was in fight or flight mode and figured I can't fight a ghost, so I decided to ride as fast as I could and did not look back. The scariest part was knowing that to get out of there I had to go literally feet from it. This thing was 7 to 9 feet tall, but I figured it couldn't grab me if I went fast. Never saw it again, but I never go in the woods alone. And I never had sleep paralysis, so never experienced the evil ones. It didn't give off an evil vibe like it wanted to harm me, but it did not give off a good vibe either. It was just observing. I was scared because I never experienced the paranormal before, but now I wish I would see it so I can try to understand it. I feel like it wanted me to see it because other shadow people stories I've read not involving sleep paralysis, they always vanish or dart away, but this thing just stood motionless. Maybe it was shocked I basically went right at it. What I cannot understand is why this thing had a top hat on. My question for everyone is why is this thing trying to mimic 19th century attire? Or did we try to mimic it? Welcome back to another edition of Paranorm Girl. I am your host Kristen, and today we are covering one extremely unique, infamous, nefarious creature called Hat Man, or the Man in the Hat, if you're nasty. Why is he unique? Well, to start, he wears a hat. One. Who wears a hat these days, aside from rednecks, bros, and cold people? And two, none of our other regular shadow person fair wears any accessory so definitive. Raising some questions for me. Why doesn't anyone report seeing shadow person junk? Because they're obviously naked. Also, is this distinction because he is the ringleader? Or is he in an entirely different class of clothing-wearing entity altogether? Our brains automatically want to make connections, see patterns, so we lump him and the hooded figure and the old hag in with the regular shadow crowd, but honestly asking, do they belong there? Nevertheless, whether it's a Stetson, a pork pie, a fedora, or top hat, he is one stylish waking nightmare. Infamous. More like, infamously stylish. No, but... Seriously, he's quite infamous. Thousands of reported encounters with this guy around the globe, the majority of which are not on the pleasant side. And nefarious. This asshat man's purpose seems to simply be a scary, fear-mongering, no-good-doer whose favorite pastimes include picking on small, innocent children, choking the daylights out of people, and showing up in my TikTok videos well-renowned for his ability to pop up when you least expect him and overstaying his welcome, he is one entity that leaves a lasting impression, so much so that people report having seen him early in their childhood, some 40, 50, 60 years after the fact. Stayed with him, as you might imagine. In researching this episode, for some reason, I was actually drawn to researching the history of hats. Here's my brain making a weird connection. I know. I found something interesting and wanted to share. It may just be coincidental, but I feel like there's a connection to be made. In an online article titled History of Men's Hats on the Love to Know website, scrolling down to the Rise of Hats in the West header, we see the first hat to make itself well-known in Western culture would be the top hat. The French-designed hat caused an outrage in London in the 1790s. To quote the website, quoting the Mayfair Gazette, this hat frightened people, made children cry, and dogs bark. The site goes on to say that John Heatherington, the London haberdasher who dared to wear it, was arrested and charged with inciting the breach of the peace. Even despite its rough start, the top hat would later be adopted by men of high class and distinction. It's an interesting connection to me that the hat man is often also referred to as the top hat man, as many encounters detail him as wearing such accoutrement. And after reading this information, a silly thought occurred to me. What if the notorious and malevolent hat man was nothing more than the ghost of a resentful haberdasher incarcerated for being infamously stylish. Callback? Anyone? No? Okay. Moving on to the darker reality that is this phenomenon. The hat man, by my count, has no origin story. He just seemingly came from nowhere and only became a thing around the birth of the internet. Though, just as with shadow figures, people have reported their encounters with him dating back a little further than that. That just really seemed to be the time of reveal for a lot of these paranormal phenomena. But as far as his non-history goes, all we've really got to go on with this guy is in the here and now, as I'm not going to try to weave some connection to the entities we've already discussed in the history and lore segment in this episode. So, is he just an urban legend, born only out of the 20th century, or is he a real, manifestable entity you should fear and watch out for and has actually been around since the dawn of civilization? He could very well have been with us all along, even stemming from the old legends of the demon Alu. And if he has been around all this time, perhaps he was just going along, minding his own terrifying business when he woke up one day and was like, you know what would really put me on the map? What would really instill fear in the masses? A hat. That Freddy Krueger guy was really onto something there. And boom, Hatman emerges from seemingly nowhere. Call it a gut feeling, but I doubt that to be the case. On one hand, that would mean that these entities themselves were paying attention to our pop culture. There are so many issues with this idea, including being incredibly ego-driven. We humans are so capable of basing another's existence around our own. So when we're talking about things like shadow people, the afterlife and ghosts, demonic activities, stuff like that, we tend to squeeze it all through the lens of our reality our sense of time, our beliefs and motivations and religions. So to say, oh, the hat man, if we're saying he's a specific self-aware entity, is sitting around keeping tabs on our horror movies or our news of the day, and then making the distinct decision to put on a hat one day in order to reap the fear-driving benefits. I know this is a paranormal-based show, but I find it a little far-fetched. And on the other hand, why just a hat? Are there not much scarier ways he could present himself? If he was paying attention and basing his appearance off of our pop culture, where is his gun? Or machete? Or vampire teeth? Why isn't he a zombie-like creature a la 28 Days Later? There's a connection to be made here, and maybe I'm not the person for the job. All I can think is that his presentation and even emergence into our collective awareness must come down to the idea of basic fear, primal fear. What do we fear most as human beings? Authority, not having control of a situation, the dark, intruders or strangers, our own demise or the threat of it, being stalked like we're prey or being attacked when we are most vulnerable. I would say definitively that most of the reported encounters with the hat man embodies these aspects. It could very well explain why people everywhere are having this same waking nightmare. The themes, for the most part, are the same. Most are paralyzed and unable to speak, to scream, you see a featureless man wearing a hat, a menacing evil energy, and a pressure on your chest. You can't breathe, you can't defend yourself, then he's gone in a blink and you regain your faculties. People also often report feeling completely drained of energy the morning after an encounter, leading some to speculate he is some sort of energy vampire. As we have covered previously, this experience is often explained away as sleep paralysis or the hypnagogic hallucination that presents when the brain wakes up before the body does. And this would make sense to me. In fact, I would love it if I could stuff it all in that box and tie it up with a pretty little psychological bow, if it were not for the people who have seen this thing while they were awake and with no other physiological explanation of his appearance, if it were not for the shared experiences between two or more people at the same time, if... It were not for the children who remember seeing and being tormented by this thing, even so far back as two or three years of age. We see plenty of examples of this exact thing in Heidi Hollis's book titled The Hat Man, The True Story of Evil Encounters. I've put a link to buy the book in the show notes. Check it out. Um, I personally don't agree with her theory of what the Hat Man is, and I'm not really down with the God and Jesus stuff, not that that stuff doesn't exist, not saying that at all, but it got a little distracting for me as I went into the book thinking it was going to be more of an educational relaying of Hatman facts, you know, like more stuff on his history, um, all of the theories, different Descriptions of his appearance and hats and clothing choices from different accounts, and she she did do that to a certain extent. I think maybe I was just looking for like charts or graphs or some something technical. Um, it was not so much textbook slash educational as it was her subjective opinion on this entity. I will say I do appreciate and respect her and all that she has done for this topic. If y'all didn't know, she's kind of the OG on Hatman. Anyway, textbook or opinion piece, God stuff, no god stuff, just my personal takeaway. Uh But do still check out the book, it's an interesting read, she is a funny lady, and the emails that she relays throughout from people who have written her are pretty astounding and run the gamut with people claiming to have had this experience. The Hatman is often linked or associated with hostile environments. Some people think that he has some sort of connection to traumatic events or chaotic times in our lives, such as illnesses, deaths of family or friends, job losses, accidents, and the sort, either showing up as a precursor or right afterwards. And during these various encounters, even if he doesn't physically do anything to harm or hurt, just his very presence has been described as evil, dark and foreboding, evoking hopelessness, despair, and dread. Some examples of this can be found in Jason Offutt's book, Darkness Walks. Uh, One is where a woman specified that it was during a very depression-riddled time in her life that she first encountered this being. Another account stated when he was 11, he had been diagnosed with a brain tumor and was going through radiation when he had his first encounter. He had a slightly rougher introduction as he felt himself pushed to the ground and held down. When he looked up, he could see a tall shadow in a fedora disappear around the corner at the end of his hallway. Interestingly enough, this fellow would go on to have many more shadow person encounters from that point on throughout his life. And of course, I have questions. Does the hat man cause these horrible events in one's life? Uh, Is he just drawn to that negative sort of energy like it's a beacon? Or could he actually serve as a warning? Kind of hard to answer until we finally conclude for ourselves what these things and he actually are. By most accounts, he is evil and so are his intentions. He means you no good goodwill and, as I said, has been called an energy vampire, sapping you dry through your fear. Except, there are good stories too. Didn't see that one coming, did ya? Though few and far between, or perhaps just less reported, the memory of this guy putting off a kind and nice vibe do exist. I'd be interested to hear more of these. I've noticed online for these types of accounts, other users fairly quickly jump in to shut that sort of talk down, which I cannot stand. I would love to hear in detail what a kinder, lighter Hatman encounter looks like. And just in general for paranormal encounters, when someone is trying to explain what happened to them, I think we should let them. They may have experienced something different. They felt what they felt, and we maybe had a different experience. That is all. How the heck does anyone know that there aren't both good and bad shadow people, that there aren't different hat men roaming around, some with ill will and some out to protect? If we end up concluding that these are a completely unique race of entities, maybe from another dimension, I I don't know. How can we say that an entire race, or species, rather, is bad and evil? Just, let's not leave evidence on the table, y'all. Let them tell their stories. Now, before we look at some of these stories, let's cover some of the more common explanations rooted in science. Of course, first and foremost, the reason the event happens at all is often connected or attributed to sleep paralysis. We have discussed in previous episodes why this can't be a be-all, end-all explanation behind the phenomenon. But the condition still occurs and is still a reality of this whole thing. But why the hat man specifically? Setting aside other sleep paralysis-connected entity interactions, why aren't we waking in the wee hours of the morning unable to move, and terrified because we are tied to some train tracks. I distinctly remember that playing a major part of a ton of cartoons I watched as a kid. I I can't have been the only one. If some illogical fear was ingrained in our psyche from childhood, that should be rattling around in there somewhere. Or why isn't the room filled with lava and there's a lava monster lurking somewhere gonna get ya? Jumping from couch to armchair to kitchen counter in order to not touch the lava was regular activity in my home, anyway. Where is the clown shadow person? Because, according to sleep paralysis experts, this vision of the hat man can come from a collective unconsciousness accrued throughout our life from childhood that's soaked up certain fear-inducing situations and also entities, including ones who wear hats, from our culture and popular culture. Characters so prevalent in our society and culture that we aren't even aware of them sometimes, but are so soaked in that they are already inside our consciousness without us even having to logically think about them. Let's take one of the favorites, Freddy Krueger, out of our lineup of hat-laden supervillains. Broad-brimmed hat attacks us in our sleep, definitely feeds off the fear— Whose only purpose is to torture and kill us when we are most vulnerable and least able to get help from outside of our own minds, trapped inside of our own nightmares. Sounds like it has some incredible similarities to the Hatman experience, doesn't it? At first glance, it does make a lot of sense to say Freddy Krueger plus unconscious human fear equals Hatman. Except for the fact. That the basis of the film Nightmare on Elm Street was actually inspired by several Los Angeles Times newspaper articles written about 18 Hmong refugees who, in the late 70s and early 80s, suddenly perished in their sleep after having fled to the U.S. because of war and genocide that was occurring in Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Their deaths were ascribed to be a condition called Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome, or SUNS. Though in the Philippines, Thailand, Laos, and other surrounding countries where SUNS was more prevalent, they just called it Nightmare Death Syndrome. About a hundred more Hmong deaths would follow this initial bout of nightmare-induced deaths, tapering off in the late 80s. So... What could have been so terrifying about these nightmares that would keep someone awake to the point of death or kill them while they slept? Well, it's an entity they called Da Cho. Da Cho is described in Hmong culture as a nocturnal pressing spirit who attacks sleepers by sitting on their chests, sometimes attempting to strangle them. So, the Hatman, or at the very least, shadow people, were not born of Freddy Krueger. It was the other way around. While researchers have theorized sun's deaths are caused by Brugada syndrome, which is a genetic condition common in people of Southeast Asian descent, some in the Hmong culture believe the nightmare-inducing entity Da Cho to be responsible for the sudden death of the sleeper. Are we creeped out yet? Could it be argued that the Hatman is simply some evolution of an already ongoing primal fear-based phenomenon birthed at the beginning of our very recorded history? Of course it can. That's kind of what we're doing here. But I find it interesting that in taking the time to continue taking this dive into the common beliefs and reasons behind it, I keep finding information that calls all of that into doubt. Okay. Another scientific, psychological explanation behind the hat man is us. And part of this next section is going to be just me speculating and theorizing here based on different sources I've read, so forgive me if I sound like an idiot. What if we are the reason that the Hatman, and I do mean specifically the hat man, exists? Our minds, how we think and relay information— Let me ask you something. Have you ever played the telephone game? For anyone living under a rock in the last 40 years or so, I'll quickly describe it. A group of people sit in a circle and someone initiates by whispering a sentence or phrase into the ear of someone sitting next to them, who in turn whispers it into the ear of the next person. The phrase makes its way all the way around the circle till it reaches the starting point, where it is revealed as something completely and stupidly different. And you laugh and laugh and laugh. See, just like experiences with the hat man. No, not really, actually. But the concept I'm proposing is the taking of an initial idea or concept or event and hearing it over and over, talking about it, interpreting it to the best of our ability, thinking about it. Over the course of time, it's going to change. Is it possible that we have taken a very real, albeit less terrifying entity, and turned it into the Hat Man. Don't think so? It's already happened in our lifetime, guys. Ever hear of Slenderman? This entity was created on June 10th, 2009 as an entry for an online Photoshop contest with just the right amount of talent to create two very eerie and convincing photographs and the backstory behind the photo evidence, add in a little text on the entity itself and tie it to just the right name Slenderman was born. Entirely fiction, but not for everyone, unfortunately. Eric Knudsen, Slenderman's creator, was inspired to create the figure from many creature references from already popular and mainstream movies and books, such as Zack Parsons' The Insidious Beast and Stephen King's The Mist. He also pulled from stories of shadow people and Mothman sightings and various video games— The concept of Slenderman was an amalgamation of already existing characters, a work of fiction, but the point is that he was based on already existent work and entity stories. Stories based on something that came before, I'm sure, and so on and so on to the original source, whatever that may be. But the image and story of Slenderman turned out to be so powerful that some started to blur the line between fiction and reality. For whatever reason, some people began to entertain the idea that he might be a very real entity, including a couple of little girls in Wisconsin who stabbed a classmate of theirs because it was their sincere belief that, one— Committing the murder would be the first step in becoming proxies for Slenderman, but also, two, both girls stated that they were afraid Slenderman would kill their families if they didn't do it. Now, fortunately, their classmate did survive, and both girls were arrested, charged, and diagnosed with mental illnesses. Now, we know that the Slenderman is not a real entity, of course, but we can see how very real his existence was to these young girls see what a sincere belief in him can do and how that can all be born out of an evolution of a character pulled and created from other characters who came before the point I'm trying to make in support of a psychological standpoint is this idea of we the people, through a massive game of telephone, building upon the stories told over the centuries, might be responsible for this current existence of Hatman. So, ultimately, he's a complete figment of our psyche, but we believe so vehemently that he is real that we see him anyway. I think there might be a few thousand people who believe they have had an actual encounter with him who may disagree with this assessment. I think we'll go ahead and look at some of these people's accounts before wrapping up the show today. But before heading into the final segment here, I wanted to speak to something. This one was hard, you guys. Um, It's strange. I've I've heard about this entity so much, read so many stories, I've watched the documentaries, I've listened to the podcast episodes, all because I wanted to do it justice. Not him, per se, but him as a topic. I don't think he can be overdone, at least not yet. It's not like we're going to get bored with him here. I, uh, I can't imagine a time when the hat man won't be absolutely fascinating to think and theorize about, but I really didn't give much thought to how hard it was going to be to cover someone or t- uh, something so iconic. It was important to me to give accurate information, but I kept feeling pulled to put my own flavor on it, and maybe that's how his evolution occurs but I still wanted to cover him because ultimately he's a mystery. And don't we all love a good mystery? I kept having this thought, though, as I was going through the research. Maybe the answer to what he is lies in his motivation. What does he want? What is it that he really wants? And this must be the actor in me speaking. Um, What does the character want? It's so easy and always has been to slap a blanket label of evil onto something that we don't understand and say that they feed off of fear, that that's all they want. So easy to do that. But every good actor knows that when you're playing a villain, the worst possible thing you can do is act like you are a villain to play evil. Because it's just not believable that you would go to such horrible lengths for whatever it is that you're after— because even the most villainous character believes they are right and good. No one is evil for the sake of being evil. That just doesn't exist. So I don't know if it's the actor in me. I've always been deeply empathetic towards others. Always been able to put myself in another's shoes. Sometimes to my disadvantage. But after thinking a lot about this hat man motivation and... After reading the few less negative encounters I could find, I'm just not so sure that it's all about the fear. Something is making me think it goes deeper than that. My instinct tells me otherwise. So, let's go ahead and get to the last segment of this episode. As we look at these encounters as an exercise... Keep an open mind and reserve judgment, and maybe we can glean for ourselves what it might be that he is actually after. One of the emailed stories in Heidi Hollis's book, The Hat Man, The True Story of Evil Encounters, comes from the email's author retelling an event that had happened to a friend of his. His friend had been driving late at night and happens to look up in the rearview mirror and sees a figure in a hat sitting in the back seat. He slams on the brakes and, once stopped, turns to get a look, only to find nothing there. Apparently, though, slamming on his brakes might have actually saved this guy's life, as, come to find out, not ten feet more and he would have crashed right into a tree that had fallen across the road. We already heard that the hat man can show up in people's lives when there is chaos or traumatic events present. Whether or not he's there as a warning or just there to watch the fun— That is a part of this whole thing that people can't seem to agree with. It was the email author's opinion he was there to watch a wreck, and the driver just happened to look in the mirror at just the right time. When I first read this passage in the book, I got the impression that the hatman was there in this guy's car as a possible warning or thwarting of the imminent danger. If the hatman had only been there to watch this guy get squished like a sardine in a tin can— and could foresee that fate, then he had to have also been able to foresee and know that the guy would look up. I mean, right? Another story in the book tells of a childhood with an incredibly abusive father and an ongoing feeling of helplessness throughout. The author of the story says that suddenly the hat man just started showing up when she was a teenager At first, just lingering in the shadows, and as time went on, would start sitting on the couch or the edge of her bed, intently staring at her. She said she was never scared by him, but felt his constant presence. She tells of the last time she saw him was a day that her father got drunk, got angry, and moved toward her, ready to hit her. Suddenly, she says the hat man appeared from nowhere and threw her dad backwards over a couch and then disappeared. She finished by saying she hadn't seen him since. It's stories like these that can cause some confusion and even arguments within the paranormal community. I think for the most part, since encounters that are generally written about this entity lean more towards the negative side of things, most people are going to agree with authors and experts like Heidi Hollis in thinking that these types of stories can't just be taken at face value, that there must be some darker agenda lurking beneath the surface, such as in the case of the following. A woman in Jason Offit's book, Darkness Walks, woke up to a man wearing a hat sitting at the side of her bed, watching her. She says he was very still and shrouded in darkness, so she couldn't quite see his face. When she tried to move, she couldn't. She tried to turn her head, she couldn't. Tried to scream for help, and she couldn't. She lay there terrified until he suddenly vanished. Pouring through the comments section of any hatman related YouTube video will get you some really horrifying accounts. Uh, referring to him as the Hat Demon, one person saw him face-to-face face in a field at dusk. He stared into two empty eye holes glowing red as the thing growled at him. Another says this entity is with him constantly, making his life unbearable. It has thrown knives, slammed doors, talked in his ear incessantly. And same thing if you head over to Reddit, people recount him crouching over them until they are face-to-face, laughing like a maniac at their fear and discomfort, watching them through the window of their upper story bedrooms, slamming doors and windows, and smothering them as they lay frozen in terror. Interestingly, though, in just my last search to have another look through. There were uh, quite a few more entries of nice visits with this entity. People piping in every so often to say that, yeah, we have indeed experienced this encounter, but never felt afraid as it would always give off a nice, polite vibe. So, what the hell do we do with this information? It's confusing to say the least, but there you go. He's good, he's bad. He smothers, he protects, he watches, he hides, he waits, he springs into action. He's bold, he's shy, he's a nice guy. Nope, he's just the worst. He sounds almost too human. And we have absolutely gone a bit over our regular time frame for these episodes, so let's call it a wrap for now. This has been Some Kind of Show covering The Hat Man. Tried to keep this baby on course, but uh, we went on some field trips. Doesn't matter. I am of the belief that it is all connected anyway, baby. Next time, we're going to cover shadow animals and other shadow beings. Not sure what that means, as I haven't yet taken the dive into that particular research, but at the onset, sounds like it's going to be fun, and I'm sure it will be as perfectly flawless as all of the episodes have been thus far. If you have had your own shadowy encounter and would like to share and have it read on this here podcast, shoot me a message at ParanormGirlPod at gmail.com. Even if it is unshadow person related, shoot it over anyway. There is a place and a home for it all on this show. And if you want to keep this particular convo going, reach out. You can find me in most of the places such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at, at ParanormGirlPod. Links for those in the show notes. Ah, uh, speaking of notes, here's a final one. As I have said before, things aren't always so black and white. Things aren't always as they seem at first glance. Perhaps, and I suspect as much, we've been looking at the Hatman all wrong. So far, he has been far too nebulous to provide any real definition as to who he is or what he is after. We can't even say at this point whether he's good or evil, whether he is against us or for us, whether he is real or a product of our own minds. Each individual who has either had the pleasure or displeasure of experiencing him firsthand can at least speak to that, basing it off of what happened and how he made them feel. But if you're like myself, peering from the outside in, what are we to do with all of the information that's been presented? Consider this for a moment. The electromagnetic spectrum is infinite. The human eye is only able to see one small portion of it, visible light, 380 to 700 nanometers. Those are the wavelengths we are able to see. Imagine how much on a spectrum of wavelengths that has no end, that we are not seeing. Going on around us right now colors that exist that we will never experience. Or the sounds. We hear only between 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. That is the range of frequencies we are able to pick up. Certain whales hear something we can't. Your pet cat hears something you don't. So we know sound exists beyond our own perception. But it is our very perception that limits us. Love gravity. Dreams. These are things we know exist. They are real. Though we cannot see them with our eyes, touch them with our fingers, we know they are real things. So why is it so out of the question to imagine there might really be something going on here? And as a skeptical believer, I'm asking this of myself too. I guess that's what keeps me on this quest for more information. Because nothing seems to be able to convince me whether a hatman can or simply cannot exist. As someone who has never experienced it firsthand, never seen him standing at the end of my bed in the middle of the night, never felt the constant studious stare or presence, I can't say he is real. But then again, maybe he's just on another wavelength altogether, which makes me suspect he could be. I think if he exists, it's outside of our regular perceptions and if he cannot be seen in the visible light, maybe we'll find him somewhere in the dark. So stay safe, keep that nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.